Welcome, friends. This is Pastor Brian Hudson. Welcome to Conversations in Focus. This program is designed to bring people to you whom I believe are doing a great work in the community and kingdom, people who are making a difference, who are influencing influencers. And I thank God for a man here today, a man of God, whom I have uh, uh, met today in person, really for the first time that I'm aware of, That's right. but been acquainted with uh, this brother for a uh, number of years mm-hmm. uh, through uh, uh, Dr. Mark Echo, through Pastor Julius Stevens, and some others. So I want to welcome to the studio, welcome to our conversation, Dr. Clyde Posley, Jr. Welcome, Dr. Posley. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be here. Thank you, My sir. pleasure. Thank My you pleasure. So much. Appreciate Thank you, you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Now, Dr. Posley is a multi-talented man of God who has been highly sought after as an evangelist, an instructor, a conference speaker, a forum panelist over 30 years throughout the country. Dr. Posley has worked as an adjunct professor um, in the social science, as a social science lecturer in several universities across the nation. He is currently the pastor, a senior pastor of Antioch Baptist Church here in Indianapolis, Indiana. So he is a shepherd above all here uh, in our city. Dr. Posley is the president of the Pastors and Ministers Division of Union District Baptist Association uh, located here in the city of Indianapolis. He has offered a comprehensive ministerial training curriculum for Christian ministers entitled Union District Association Pastors and Ministers Conference Ministerial Certificate Program. Dr. Posley currently is a coordinator for the Racial and Social Justice Division of Union Baptist Union District Baptist Association here in the city of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, also a senior editor of the Union District Quarterly Newsletter. So he is a man of, of service, of dedication to people, uh, a leader of leaders, and I appreciate that. And additionally, Dr. Posley uh, serves as executive chaplain for Pink Forever Breast Health Education mm-hmm. uh, Service Organization. That's a very important cause and very important ongoing need Absolutely. in every community. And so I thank God that Dr. Posley is here to talk to us uh, about a book that has just been released. And uh, and this book here in my hand, you see it here, I'm put it on the screen as well. This is a book entitled More Than Icons and Images, Uncovering the Hidden Protest Narrative of the Black American Athlete in the 21st Century. Mm-hmm. And I have begun to read this book, the Kindle edition, and I, I want to tell you it's a book that you need to get a hold to right now. Thank you. I just put on now on the website address below me. Just feel free to visit the website. Throughout the show, you'll see this website. And you can get the Amazon uh, print edition. You Mm -hmm. can get the Kindle editions available as well. That's right. Because we need context on what God is doing and what men are doing who are athletes in our society. That's right. So enough enough said. Let me get down to to welcoming again our guest and ask the first question. Uh, Dr. Posley. Why did you write the book more than icons and images? I, I wrote the first of all. Let me thank you again for being here, uh, Pastor Hudson. It's an honor to be here. Uh, your scholarship, uh, the history and the reputation of your scholarship uh, precedes you. You know, so um, just the fact that I'm, I'm invited here to sit at this table means the world to me. Thank you. I that wrote works. the book um, to further engage 
in a discourse, uh, Pastor Hudson, that is going on, has been going on in America uh, of late, but more importantly, for probably 400 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my, my doctoral work, um, in my doctoral work, my area of research is, uh, is how sports, polit- politics, and cultural studies and race uh, inter- intersect. And so it, I, I thought it fitting to engage at this point in this conversation, particularly with the uh, Kaepernick protest uh, being viewed uh, and given multiple narratives from multiple sources. This book uh, engages and gives some context uh, by way of history uh, about that intersectionality and how it is not new. It's as, it's as old as the revolt of the Mandinka warriors, um, uh, original slaves here on uh, American soil. And, and their punishment as a result of those re- revolts was to be cut into pieces and thrown in fires in front of uh, slaves who watched as a means of teaching other Mandika warriors and slaves not to revolt. But this happened, that revolt happened in a sports arena. They were being forced to fight each other, and they did not want to do it. Mm. So I was trying to engage uh, intelligently uh, but practically uh, in, in, a, in a discourse that's been underway for years. Yes, you, you say context, and that, that word uh, really is a powerful word. In reality, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. and we're aware of you know, the protest. Um, people say he's protesting the flag, and that's a false narrative, that's just obviously. not true. But the idea that the NFL is 70% black men and that people come out, including the president, call them SOBs mm-hmm. and all this. And people don't understand, this is not just the quirks of a man. It's not just uh, behavior. Right. Uh, of a man, uh, the president, but it, it is it is something rooted in history, and this book right. brings out the background. You know, why do people disconnect history from present, Doctor? Uh, n- normally, it's advantageous. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's advantageous. Most more often than not, when people uh, uh, seek to usurp a narrative, it, it's at, to do so is in some way advantageous for them. If I can disconnect any event. From a a history that that uh, uh, hurts what I'm trying to accomplish at that moment, then I'll do so if I'm selfish, if if I'm about myself. And and if you look at history, uh, Pastor Hudson, uh, historically, when people try to change the narrative, like um, like not only with the black men protest, but moreover with what uh, black masculinity means, it is because it is advantageous uh, to what they're trying to accomplish. The slave owners did so. Uh, trying to uh, keep fear about what a black man might do if he were free. Again, I'm trying to change the narrative at, uh, at that time. They're trying to change the narrative um, about black the black mystique and make it a frightening black scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is why Jim Crow occurred. We we and and as the, in a Douglas Blackman 2011 book, he he wrote a book entitled. Uh, 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 the the, the uh, slavery by another name. Mm. It that's why Jim Crow existed because of uh, trying to change the narrative of how dangerous blacks being free would be to the culture. Yes. Uh, even the the true meaning of the Emancipation Proclamation and what what uh, Abraham Lincoln actually was uh, trying to accomplish. Yes. So uh, to reiterate my point, people more often change narratives because they they are afraid of the truth of. The, uh, the actual history in yes. the narrative. Yeah. What I want to do as well is educate in this program. So you mentioned the word Jim Crow. We've heard it before. What, what, was, what, what was Jim Crow? 
Jim Crow laws. Um, uh, in a snapshot, Jim Crow laws were laws set up post-emancipation proclamation in, in, in the what's called the Reconstruction era designed to in, re-enslave, if you will, slaves who had recently been released as a result of the uh, 1863 Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, these laws were, were set up uh, to feed farm systems which were designed to replace actual slave ownership. And so certain laws, like if you whistle on a Tuesday, uh, walking down the uh, left side of the street, 10 years was the crime, if you recall, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that uh, uh, if you've ever heard the term, uh, Pastor Hudson, a barrel of laughs. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a Jim Crow law that was set up in the late 1890s that, that if a black person were caught laughing out loud and convicted of that crime, they could be sentenced to 10 years. I'll get back to that in just a second. So what many blacks had to do because these laugh barrels were uh, placed in several places, uh, located in several places in the city. Mm -hmm. They had to get inside the barrel, cover themselves up. It was labeled laughing barrel and had a black face on it. And if a black was to laugh, because they knew that law, they had to get in that barrel and laugh. If caught laughing outside the barrel, uh, that's where the laughing, a barrel of laughs came from. And so... um, and so these these farm systems mm-hmm. uh, were the, as I said, the reincarnation, re, uh, if you will, of the slave, the pla- slave plantation. Yes. And so these Jim Crow laws were uh, then given, were, were then set up, and these owners of these farms uh, would um, be the individuals that the judge would turn the convicted person over to, mm-hmm. and they became the penile system, and where we get our what we know chain gangs from. Yes, my my. Yeah. Again, our listeners, I'm not assuming people know these things, so this is a history lesson today, you know. In addition to all that you have done and you are, you are an historian as well, sir. I've read this in the book now. I understand that. I'm a fledgling historian. I just just try to to do some research. But you mentioned the Emancipation Proclamation, the Mm -hmm. 13th Amendment, you know, came forth. um, uh, But listen to what it says. 13th Amendment says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. Now, it it outlawed slavery. Mm -hmm. Outlawed, supposedly. But, yeah. but the language reads exactly this way. It says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, mm-hmm. whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, mm-hmm. shall exist in the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Right. So, so it, it outlawed slavery, but it said, except as a punishment for crime. Absolutely. Now, that's something that I didn't notice until I saw the documentary mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. 13. So basically, mm-hmm. yeah. it was, it was, it was a, the emancipation. They crafted it in a way that they allowed Southerners mm-hmm. to, to have this, this amendment so that mm-hmm. it was still possible to right. enslave if you were convicted of a crime. So, yeah. That is why. As a punishment for crime. That is why Douglas Blackman's uh, Slavery by Another Name is such a powerful book. Yes. Because all it does is re, it's the same soup warmed over. Yes. It's, it, it, and, and the third, and it is, and Jim Crow laws, historically, as well as many of the laws on our constant, in many of the states on our, in our constant legislation. Right. Are, are based on that. Pr- in fact, the, 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 the uh, incarceration system. Michelle mm-hmm. Alexander will be here next Tuesday okay. at Clues Hall, okay. and uh, she re- she's the author of the book um, uh, uh, "Mass Incarceration." Right. 
the incarceration system of America is the most lucrative business in the country. Yes. Pastor Hudson, let's consider that. that basically, a variation or the use of the 13th Amendment is the most lucrative business in America. Mm. Free labor. Free, Free labor. labor. And see, people don't understand this. I was in Starbucks talking to a friend of mine, um, a white gentleman who's a friend, and, and he asked me, the why, why are so many black men uh, not with their families and, and, and all this? And honest question, I said, well, did you know about 13th Amendment, what it says? I heard about it. You know what it says? Yeah, it's different than just hearing about it. And I gave him a little bit of a history uh-huh. of how that it was to the advantage mm-hmm. of people, and you know, especially in the 50s and 60s, if you can incarcerate a black man, powerful black man, put him in put him in prison, put him in chains, and make him work these these prison farms. Sure, they could he could produce products. And now, of course, there's there's non there's profit for profit prisons now. Sure, my point is he didn't understand the fact that a lot of men were wrongly convicted, taken away from their homes. Take a man from his home that breaks the family down quickly. Right. And sure. then they complain. Then people want to complain about, you know, situations and say, well, the unwed births and all that. Well, yeah, these things are happening. But get con- have some context and then have compassion, get understanding so that you won't be falling into a false narrative yeah. and saying that these folk must have done it to themselves. Right. Yeah. Nor did we craft the mindset that often produces it. Right. The mindset that produces some of the behavior that is such a monstrosity, uh, atrocity to some people mm-hmm. was formulated uh, by, by the by how urban America was even structured in the 50s and 60s. Right. Uh, Cabrini-Green apartments, uh, structures like that. The reason that in, in on the West Coast, um, the Sacramento area, uh, what is, we know as Compton today, where so much of the protests came from, the reason those protests were uh, were and, and set up that way was because of, of how urban America had been set up. Yes, it, it was it was it was set up to subjugate. Yes. This is true about Detroit. This is true mm-hmm. about New Orleans. This is true about the, the Sanford area of uh, Florida right. and, and Chicago and, and Indianapolis. Yes. And, and so you, you these mindsets are the often the offsprings of what we, of what keeping an education from a, a vital education from a people can do to a people. Yes. Uh, not putting grocery stores in their area can do to a people. Yes. Uh, policing them in a in a in a robust and ungodly manner. It's what it produces. So we had another conversation earlier, but you cannot say you want a people to be better but don't put in line the things that cause them to be better yes. as a result of what you say you're you're implementing to make them better. That's yeah. just you, you put these rules in and then you, when they break the rules, instead of habilitating them back, you put them in a system to make money off of them. Mm-hmm. So it can be said historically and today that by and large, the gatekeepers of such events, Pastor Hudson, want crime. They 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 take advantage of crime because mm-hmm. if 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 a if CCA is a lucrative business and I'm a business person who is invested in CCA, yes. I don't want crime to stop. Yes. I want crime to increase. I want to agitate you by how I police you mm-hmm. because I hope that you commit a crime because when you commit a crime, mm-hmm. my stock go up. I don't want crime to stop. Mm. I want crime to increase. My my my, and that's now that's this seems this seems far fetched to some. Listening. Sure. Sure. But if you have historical context, 
it's not far fetched at Absolutely. all. Absolutely, and and you have to approach it that way, Pastor. Yes, that that, yeah. that 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 that's the only way that you can, in my view, have a viable argument. Or and when I say argument, I mean notions. Yes, you know, have viable notions. You cannot just take an event. But this thing has an epistemology. It has a series of, 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 of ways that information is transmitted. And history is one of them, not just one event. Yes. When we isolate an event like Kaepernick, for example, we can just talk about that event and uninformed people's opinions mm. matter more when they don't have a context or a history, mm. uh, uh, you know, with what they're saying. Yes. Now, let me say this as well. The next question here, in fact, um, we're going to talk a lot about uh, situations that are facing African Americans and what athletes are doing, what they can do, what they have mm-hmm. done. And I want to also, but first talk about somebody in our lives, both of our lives, <laughs> uh, a white gentleman. That's right. You know, understand that we're not down on white folk. You know, we're not, we don't believe in that. We just want everybody, you know, and those who have the most to whom much is given, much is required. Right. So we want people to step up. But there is a gentleman who educated both of us. I just found out reading the the preface to your book. That's right. That you gave credit to a man named Mr. Robert Urbane. Robert Urbane. Robert Urbane. Now, Robert Urbane <laughs> was my English teacher <laughs> at Arlington High School in the 70s. And he was still there when in the 80s. <laughs> yes, sir, in the early 80s. Dr. Dr. Well, then Clyde, yeah. you know, young man Clyde Posley right. came through. And I want to say this because Dr. Ur- uh, Mr. Urbane inspired us in, mm-hmm. in a very specific way. That is, right. that he helped us to become writers. Exactly. To become exactly. thinkers. Uh, let me ask you about Mr. Rabane and, and just the idea of, of how educators can have this much impact. And a white gentleman, unafraid, in a, in a black school, mm-hmm. uh, right. talk about the, his impact and what he represents. Yep. yep. Um, Mr. Urbane, uh, Pastor, represented someone believing in me outside of my house. Certainly my parents believed in me, uh, you know, I, I four uh, siblings and, and I came from a home where education was, was pushed. It was important for us to make sure that we did a good job, but, you, but teachers needed to reinforce that. And now my parents had only had t- uh, teachers to reinforce their commitment to, and, and, and importance of education from people who look like them. It, it, it is not, not lost knowledge, pastor that Mr. Urbane was white and clearly cared about his black students. Yes, he did. It, th- that's a big deal because we live in a world that is not predominantly uh, uh, black, is not predominantly white. You have, you have to get in, you have to learn how to navigate the kaleidoscopic nature of, of the globe. Yes. Mr. Urbane represented for me, uh, and, and, and it later helped me walk into uh, types of diversity um, that a root that, that that his interaction with me is rooted in that that to be successful he represented the notion that to be successful you have to uh, be diverse and as as you know I host a um, uh, a, a, a internet show um, with as you mentioned Dr Mark Echo yes a white professor right 
there's no way a person can tell me that that type of interaction, what we are doing at this stages of our of this stage of our lives, is not influenced by understanding that. This man, and you're going to get into why he wasn't, wasn't wasn't afraid to deal with us, like culture would say. But this man treated us like, look, I'm not afraid, and so and and now I have a we we have we have humanities type degrees. Yes, and so that's that that's a big deal. I I appreciate uh, what Mr. Urbane had to say, what he did, and uh, just taking um, the time to show me my potential. Yes, and. Yeah. And to, again, his credit and to the credit of educators like him, uh, my habit was I came to his room uh, to, to that class after lunch break, right, which mm. I, I became sleepy, right? So sure. I sat in the back of Naturally. the room, propped up two books, put my head down, tried to sleep. We had an assignment for a creative piece, uh, writing piece, and I wrote that. He was very impressed with that, so impressed, he moved me from the back row to the front row and made me sit in front of him and pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that, and I became a writer behind that. And then, to the question why Mr. Urbane, he wore those horn rim glasses. I'm, I'm showing his picture now on the screen, okay? He wore these glasses. He wore apparently the same suit, mm -hmm. like men in black. <laughs> but he was not afraid of us. And we used that. We, 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 we were big guys right. as kids. We used that right. against some teachers. Sure. But Mr. Urbane was never afraid of us, no intimidation. I found out later, I found out that he was a, he was a Golden Gloves boxer. <laughs> the man was a boxer. So if, he, if, it, if push came to shove, yeah, he could handle himself. we'd all be in trouble. Right. So, so my point to, to bringing him up is that, you know, don't, don't paint a narrative for us that we're against white folks and all that. Right. No, no, no. We want folk to do the right thing, and we honor anybody, you know, mm -hmm. white, black, uh, you know, in this case, uh, a white man who did a tremendous service to many, many young people, including Dr. Posey and I. Sure. So I thank uh, him. I hope he's still alive. I don't know. But uh, men like Mr. Urbane and other men, you know, mm -hmm. coaches, Mr. Brown, sure. all the men and women in our lives, our parents most of all. Okay, Dr. Posey, let me ask you this question. What is the most misunderstood what's most misunderstood about black athletes who use their voice to influence and affect social change? Without doubt, without, without question, I believe the biggest misunderstanding or misnomer about uh, politically conscious black athletes who protest is that they are anti-American, that they are not patriotic, mm. that they are an enemy to the state, and that they somehow, uh, in, in, the, in the context of uh, Kaepernick's, that they somehow hate the flag. Th that, that, that is just not true. And, and 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 it is it is mean spirited. It is it not only is it it's it it's just wrong, but it is mean spirited to assume that a person who is using an avenue that they have, a platform they've been given, uh, to voice their uh, concerns about how they're being treated, it's mean spirited to simply say that they that they don't have the same values that you do that, that that they don't care in life like you do that they don't care about the well-being of the culture as as others say they do uh it's just it's just wrong uh the protest of Tommy Smith and John Carlos which is the centerpiece of the book um uh points to the fact that they had to deal with that same thing pastor Hudson they 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 were treated uh the famous um 
Uh, reporter Brent Musburger insult, famously insulted them, saying that them raising that the two of them raising black gloves uh, made them look like black-faced paratroopers. Mm. Years ago, yeah. the Brent Musburger wow. said that, and and there's so many other um, insults that they received, but they were not doing that. They were simply using the platform that uh, which had caused them to be so celebrated beforehand. Yes, uh, these were the two most famous track stars in the country at that time. Yes, Tommy Smith is arguably the greatest sprinter in history, mm-hmm. uh, and he developed the the high knee process uh, of running. It was uh, his nickname was the Antelope, but but he was considered. Uh, it was it was said that they were simply disrupting. No, they were disrupting another person's narrative. Yes, and uh, and then we'll get into some of the reasons why that's so fearful for for the gatekeepers of of the sports arena. A little yes, bit sir. Later. Now, what is it then, uh, Doctor Posley, in the ethos or character of many black men, uh, including us, mm-hmm. uh, that compel us to advocate and take action? Rather than just be silent, let things roll along as they are. Pastor Hudson, truthfully, we, we, I believe it's because we've been we we are acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. We we the, uh, I have a quote in uh, in uh, on, above the first chapter above the introduction, I believe, that said to uh, Arthur Ashe said to be black in America is to have a second job. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so we recognize that we 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 sympathize with it and understand. Uh, that um, because of the structure of America, a black man uh, brings is given baggage that he must deal with and nav- and steward just to fit in yes. into the country mm-hmm. in which he was born. Yeah. And so we we recognize that our hearts go out to it. My heart goes out to uh, uh, the beg the black beggar. In the same way, it goes out to. I went out to Abdul Raouf, who was Chris Jackson, yes. who now is still playing in the, in uh, in uh, the professional basketball, right. but has been basically banished from the NBA mm-hmm. uh, for his uh, religious beliefs mm. uh, and what he did at the playing of the national anthem. Mm. And uh, 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 Craig Hodges, mm. who was sent uh, sent a letter to President Bush after being invited to the White House about black subjugation. And could not get another job in the NBA following that. Mm. So there's a punishment. So basically, the whole shut up and dribble con- uh, uh, context that Laura Ingraham, the Fox News uh, uh, journalist, brought in, it's not new. Yes. It was just coined. Uh, the phrase was coined a little bit differently, but it had been going on for years. Yeah. Shut up. But we sympathize with that. We, we care about that. We see it. We, we know the pain of being pushed to the uh, the the back of maybe not a bus, yes, but the back have our application pushed to the bottom of the pile when we're just as qualified as someone else. Yes, yeah, and I'm sure that uh, you know we all feel the same way. If if we feel that we're being wronged, or more importantly, if a loved one's being wronged or a fellow person being wronged, we want to stand up for them. Sure, and and so. But as you say, we're acquainted with grief. Right. So when you've been through something mm-hmm. and you get through it, you 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 have zero tolerance <laughs> for Absolutely. that continuing and affecting others. Sure. I want to bring this up. It's really important. I'll close with yes. my statements of what you, yes, something please. you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought 14 acres of land. My church, the Antioch Church, bought 14 acres of land at 21st and Cumberland. Mm-hmm. The uh, maybe I won't I won't call the name of the so the. Um, 
the association that fought us. Right. But they, they fought us, and in the meeting, we went to trial, went down before they ended up going down, and we won the case. The president of that association stood up and said, look, let's just be clear. We don't want a black church in our community. This is honest about it. <laughs> we do not want, and we won, we won the case. We won the case. We ended up not building there for different reasons. Right. But but we won the case, and they but it cost us about twenty thousand oh, dollars in legal fees. Just oh, you know, God. but uh, he he specifically look. We don't want. He said we 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 know you. We 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 understand that people like to hear you preach. We don't want to hear you preach. Right. So I said that's unfortunate. So the thing to do is not come to my church. Well. You know. So but yeah, we so I so I so I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to say uh, something, a principle that's really important okay. that I want I want our, our, uh, our viewers to, to remember: silence to injustice makes one complicit. Yes, it does. When you do not say, you are allowing. You mentioned something earlier in the discussion mm-hmm. that we were having. I wish you could have had it on camera. How we talked about when it's we're concerned about, um, say, uh, people, some of the rhetoric of uh, the current president. But there are others who say that they believe in right who don't stand against it. Silence becomes complicit. Yes. So true. So true. And I thought as well, Pastor, that um, when we stand on constitutional rights, your case and my case in the zoning issue, for example. Notice this. One thing my attorney observed and put in, and put in, the, uh, in the order to overturn, mm-hmm. the judge, <laughs> Superior Court judge told my attorney, you write the order. <laughs> mm. But the point was this. We, we were in our constitutional rights. The building was adequate, a lot of exits, everything's mm-hmm. good. And so we found that the principle that the ordinances were trying to be used mm-hmm. To, to obscure our constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. And that's always been our experience. And you experience. have to know that. Yes. You have to yes. know that. You have to yes. Knowledge. That, that, that's why, you know, research and 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 and, and just knowledge, seeking. That, that's our biggest, in the African-American culture, one of the, one of the things I, I struggle with with our people is not taking advantage of information that is available. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, another question here, back to our, to our discussion about your book. Now, why is there a sense of loathing toward African-American men and athletes in particular. Uh, Again, that statement you referred to, Laura Ingram made about LeBron James, just shut up and dribble. Very disrespectful, uh, as if she's saying, stay in your place. There you go. So so why is there this loathing uh, toward men who stand and who are strong and who who are effective? I mean, LeBron James is is the best among us. He's not somebody who can be easily criticized. Mm Pastor Hudson, um, I believe there is in the foundation and the structuring, at, at least the, imagine, the imagination of America, uh, the gatekeepers of the, or the powers that be of business and enterprise and the sports culture, or the leadership of that 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 uh, black men are to be used and not heard. The stay in your place comment, I, I believe, is consistent with with and, and you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. Yes, Th- this book is written in, in is based in what's called a performance theory, uh, particularly black performance theory. It's it's one of the humanities, and 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 in it, what you do is you interpret the behaviors of people, uh, and and take that as 
as word, their actions become sites of knowing. I talked about that in the book. We live in a culture today that whether it's said openly or not, that by and large believes that the greatest information, the most vital things are not supposed to be come from or be led by black people. Mm. Uh, racism is a problem, but we uh, it, it, many in most instances, we don't want to hear it from a black leader. Um, uh, o- o- Obama's uh, presidency was undermined uh, and what he was trying to accomplish, even by some in the African-American culture who have bought into the notion that the best information comes from white people or comes from white authors or come from white legislators or comes from white ec- uh, uh, economic analysts. And there, and there is the uh, dangerous um, imagination in some way. I wrote an article. I also write for the Indianapolis Recorder. And I wrote an article about blackness, entitled Blackness in the White Imagination. And there is this notion where some people can know that a black person is good-hearted, good-meaning, good-intentioned, and has treated them well, but they're black. So they can't, so they can't possibly be a good business owner. Yes. Or they can't possibly be a good pastor. Right. It's got to be something. I mean, it's just, well, why do you think that about them? Well, I'm not sure why I think that about them. Mm-hmm. I just, they can't be the best at it. It can't be that LeBron, who went left the NBA, went left uh, high school, went to the NBA, could be knowledgeable enough to actually talk about sports. So if I really believe that, what I need to do to really help you is to tell you stop talking and just perform. Yes. And to your point, um, I'm a black man. That's pretty obvious. And uh, uh, and I have a business. I'm a pastor. also mm-hmm. operate a business, production business. We do pretty good work, has been said. Uh, but you know what I have to do sometimes, Doc? I send my work ahead of me. I make sure you see my work before you see me. Absolutely. That's, and that, that's unfortunate, now, that's not but something wrong. wise. Yeah, but some would say, well, you shouldn't feel like that. No, no. That's the world we function in. <laughs> it's that's the world. the world we function in. And that's why, and to the point of white privilege, for example. Mm-hmm. See, white privilege is not an attack on white folks. You should be proud of what you've done, what you've earned. You've earned your way through life like everybody else has. Mm-hmm. But, but white privilege, so you don't have to send your work ahead of you. Right. Just in case somebody might see your face and make an assumption. Right. About the quality of your work, to your point. So these are things that we're navigating. But back to your book, Doc. So let me no, ask you this. I, I, yeah. just, I discussed it's these all, things in the book. It's in the book. Yes, yeah. it is. And yeah. I, I'm just a, a lowly guy, but these are these are major athletes, successful, mo- mostly college educated, mm-hmm. been to school. A lot right. of them have. LeBron didn't go to college, but he's smart. The point is, why would anybody have a problem with any man? Who would take a, use his platform to take a stand right. for an issue that's important to him? Yeah. Well, in a not world, affecting the actual game, not affecting his work on the field or court. Well, in, in a world, well, let, let's 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 break it down like this, uh, Pastor Hudson. There are no black. There's only one black NBA owner, basically principal owner. Right. There are no black principal owners in NFL. Mm. Not even close. Right. No black principal owners in Major League Baseball. No black principal owners in the NHL. So what you have is a is uh, when you have a athlete to speak up, they're going to be uh, viewed with a raised eye because a lot of the subjugation of which they speak, particularly that type of subjugation that Kaepernick spoke of, 
is promoted by some of the owners who are hearing their employee say such things. Mm-hmm. And so you have so so naturally uh, the NFL could band together, the owners could band together and 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 refuse to allow these gentlemen to take a knee. Because actually, some of them are, you know, I heard it. I used to have an older preacher used to tell me it's the the hit dog makes the most noise. Mm. Not that I'm calling NFL owners dogs, but right. you know, if, if 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 you're talking about things that I'm a part of and my behavior as an owner is keeping done, if I'm subjugating, like for example, if a lot of guys, well, you're making all this money. A lot of people say, well, you're making all this money. Just just be quiet and make your money. You're making twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, but the owner's making two billion. Right. You know, right. Is, is that a fair? Because without me, he doesn't make any money. Yeah. Why bring up the issue of money? Yeah, exactly. What, what, and, there, and there you go. So why? Mm. What, why? So you're telling me that I should value money mm. more than standing for the cause that would a cause that would help better my people. Yes. So 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 it's the best to back to stay in your place. You are a employee. You are, and, and I hate to use the word, but that's a slave mind, slave right. and master mindset. Right. You, you, you don't dare bite mm-hmm. the hand that is feeding right. you. Well, I bought you, exactly, I, and I own we, you. We, we, we talk about buying, yeah. these athletes sure. in the sense that they're well, they're sure. being, you know, for, hired for the talents, which, which apparently is 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 buying their silence. Seems it, like there, there's an under under undercurrent, an underlying narrative that if I'm paying you. Right. I'm paying you to be quiet. Right. Because if I'm telling you don't protest, I'm basically saying, as Jerry Jones has all but came out and said, right. I'm paying you. And if I don't make money, you don't make money. Yeah. So be quiet. Well, I understand his concern. You know, ratings have dropped a little bit. But you know, football is not under attack. Football won't go away. Mm-hmm. People love football. Right. And I think right. that people have, have oversold and the false narrative, basically, of there protecting the flag. We all love our flag. We all honor our service people. And it's amazing that people still believe any kind of protest, any kneeling, quietly, silently kneeling on one knee is, is somehow injurious to our American ideal. Absolutely. But as you say, it's more to the fact we want those guys, those men, to those be, boys to stay in their place. To be controlled. Those SOBs, exactly. you know. Because you know. when Tim Tebow kneeled, it was godly. Right. Kaepernick Neil, it is protesting the flag. Yes. What what the what many of the owners don't want is protest. Right. And, and it's not that they're so religious, because many of them uh some are on record as as, as being atheists. Yeah. They don't they, they don't believe in religion. They don't right. believe in God. So they don't care if, if, if Tim Tebow kneeled, which he frequently did. He did. But they do care about Kaepernick. Right. So then what is the difference? Kaepernick is black mm-hmm. and Tebow is white. <laughs> and I don't want you. Yeah, it's that simple, isn't it? Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> now, in your book, um, you, you made note of Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You know, we know how one of the writers, one of the primary writer of the Constitution, mm-hmm. um, a man who was, you know, revered, and we respect him, you know, but he was a slave owner, by the way, never yeah. never gave his slaves up. And so he believed in it. That's why I believe I, that's what, that's put why such, I, such, yeah. a, such a huge quote in the book. I wanted people to have that knowledge. Yes, but among among believers, you know, he's almost revered, you mm-hmm. know, and, and conservative, oh, especially. Yeah, I was about to say conservatively. But he, but he yeah. did Louisiana Purchase, which was the biggest <laughs> government thing ever, ever, you know, uh-huh. but here's the point. 
In your book, you write this, Jefferson widely accepted as one of the Enlightenment period's most influential thinkers wrote in his famous notes on the state of Virginia, um, uh, great difference. This is the Mm -hmm. portion here uh, of race and race relations as though the subordinate role allotted to blacks was their natural innate positioning. Mm -hmm. Jefferson further states that African-Americans or Negro, you probably would say then, are inferior in the faculties of reason and imagination. Mm -hmm. Inferior in the faculties of reason. Now, Mm -hmm. people say, well, that was then, this is now. No, but the... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm not saying that, (laughs) but it's interesting. Okay, so then we we want to then, you know, include history when the discussion goes to Jefferson and exclude history Mm -hmm. when it includes a repression. Exactly. So we need to be consistent and, and recognize what we're experiencing today, They're the seeds of it were planted long time Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Yes. That he believes that it is the proper, that, that, that to be subordinate to whites, blacks, to be subordinate to whites is the proper and logical position for blacks to be in. Because, and he goes on to talk, uh, to talk about more than their mental faculties, that, that our religion, that the black religion is no more than witchcraft that it's conch shell and incantations and that we don't basically have sense enough to be religious uh, for even our religion to be respected. Yes. Yes. And that's consistent with the 13th chapter. Yes. We belong in a position of subjugation. Right. And, and, um, and so his be you can judge a tree by the fruit it bears. Yes. And we raise these issues because we want to understand, we know we're in the 21st century. We know how long ago things have occurred, have been, mm-hmm. but why do we disconnect? We, we, we cannot disconnect the historical context right. from many things happening today. That's right. And that's why you know, men like myself, Dr. Pose, many others, we just choose to not be silent, take a stand, push back against the president, whoever, Ingram, whoever it is, because we can't let a false narrative go unchallenged. By truth. Yes. Exactly. And we're, in fact, trying to help our brothers and sisters. That's right. You know, of all persuasions, uh, well white, said. black, because if we don't stand up make a, and, and make a voice heard, then change won't occur. That's right. Another quote from your book here. I'm looking, um, <clears throat> made some highlights. And this is uh, tr- uh, context of how to control black, black men. And it says here, this one note here, this uh, quote from a book uh, by Barnett and Royster. Mm-hmm. Further, the public humiliation of blacks helped to perpetuate the concept of cultural dominance via the enactment of public lynchings in America. Mm-hmm. Public lynching was a form of, of humiliation. So that, you know, well, people say, well, we don't lynch. Not, not that way, but, but lynching or humiliation right. is still happening right. pa- in lesser be- forms. Be- because uh, part of keeping a culture... Uh, in particular, the black male subjugated is to control the narrative of his masculinity. It is valuable to me on the sports field. It is dangerous to me in the political room Mm. and in the boardroom. And so what I have to make sure is that I keep him in his place by publicly vilifying him and keeping him uh, dark and keep his perception of him dark and keeping him associated with the darkness of that it may be in his culture. Mm. Uh, if if um, 
if if he commits a crime, he's OJ. Mm. If 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 he if 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 he if if one of our if he commits a murder, then they're all dangerous savages. We have to keep uh, we ha- so many people who are the gatekeepers of trying to maintain subjugation, particularly of the black man. They do it by controlling the public perception of black masculinity, mm-hmm. even even in some regards to try to tear it down and make it make it effeminate when uh, make it acceptable to be effeminate, uh, make it uh, to, to, to make us all playboys or, or to the other extreme or just right. that we only care about ravaging women and, and destroying. No, if if I can tear down the powerful image and the viable image of the black man. Mm-hmm. I can keep him in his place. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is alive and well, Pastor. It is. It is. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm outspoken. Um, yeah. my friends know that. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not wild and radical, but I'm I'm pretty clear and uh I have a, I maintain a blog in which I'm a student of what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and I'm just Absolutely. say things and can't I can back testify it up. to that. You know, Absolutely. I, I got I got thousands, uh, hundreds of articles in my blog. Yeah, I can testify. But to my that. point is now let's talk about solutions. Mm-hmm. Solutions. People talk about bridging the gaps, bridging racial divides, and so forth. But how do we have a dialogue about these important matters when so many other narratives crowd our intellectual? And social spaces. How do we have a dialogue when the false narrative is just staring us in the face? Well, you know, Martin Luther King said uh, that the moral arc of justice of of of, of the world bends toward justice. Yes. And while it may take long, it's going to bend toward justice yes, and truth and what is right. We have to implement actual programs, which is why uh, Dr. Echo and I um, have the radio show that we do, we do. We specifically tout, we push the fact mm-hmm. that here are two, uh, you know, he uses the term a lot, PhDs, who are specifically trying to have conversation and to be seen mm-hmm. having these conversations. Right. So I say that as a segue into the re- this thought that we need to actually implement programs and implement school sit- schools and, and integrate, uh, integrate church worship uh, in, in ways that integrate and speak to the reality and the kaleidoscopic truth about the world. Right. I, I didn't say lose your culture. Right. If, mm-hmm. if let, let's let's just use uh, New Covenant for an example, mm-hmm. uh, or or the Antioch Church. We have to integrate. I didn't say try not to sound cultural, if you will. Sure. I didn't say don't 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 sing historically cultural gospel music. Mm-hmm. I'm saying include other types of music along because heaven is not going to look like most of our churches, right. our church congregations. Sure. There's no black section. There's no white section. And so uh, we have to start to actually perform the truths of this. This book is not designed, for example, to, to divide people. Right. It's designed to bring people together yes. with truth and on truth. Yes. Um, uh, 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 Latinos in America is a reality. Yes. Blacks and whites and Asians in America is a reality. It is ridiculously unintelligent to try to tribalize oneself and get yourself away from people. 
you need to, we need to learn, you know, speak other languages. Uh, and that's yes. just the way it is. That's right. Exactly. That's, you know, it's just the way it is. You need, you need to learn to integrate. And I've heard black, um, some very extreme black um, activists, as well as there are some white ones, but I'm speaking about the extreme black ones, who say that the best way for America to go forward is for blacks to only have their own. I don't want to live in an America or a world that where only one culture right. consists. Yeah. I don't want that. In America especially. Exactly. We are, I mean, America is e pluribus unum Thank out you. of many one. Yeah, many one. And Absolutely. that is our specific Absolutely. mission to the world, I believe, you know, even though it's being challenged by nationalism. And, and, and to your point, doctor, you know, as far as solutions go, I've always thought this, and I've had dialogues in person, online, mm-hmm. with, with different ones. Well, like last week, I had a Facebook discussion with mm-hmm. a with a friend, um, and he brought up he actually this is a white brother brought up the Greenwood massacre, Greenwood, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Greenwood was a, a town that, that existed near Tulsa. Mm-hmm. It was called the Black Wall Street. Right. And, right. and but then there was a situation happened, and it was uh, basically uh, they missed some a black man, a black boy was accused of something he didn't do, but it, it caused a it caused a, a, a riot in terms of. Well, not a riot, but it caused a white folk to come in and burn the city down, mm-hmm. kill people. Okay, now so we had a discussion about that and how bad it was and how we can you know work this work this out. Mm-hmm. But one of his one of his commenters made the comment, "Yeah, we have to we have to stop this stop mobs on every side." And, and everybody got mobs. And no, 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 everybody not doing mobs. Everybody, no. every <laughs> moral equivalence. To try to reduce everything down to everybody, everybody, everybody did it. Everybody's responsible. Yeah. Not always yeah. true. We shouldn't go that way. Let's be specific. Let's be surgical. My point is this. Mm-hmm. I, made a, I made a point to a gentleman on the forum that we got to look specifically at, at groups, whether, you know, mainly look at these extreme right, the skinheads, the KKK and, and the white nationalists. Supremacists that that these are they are a major problem, right? And there's no equivalent to that on the other on the left side, so to speak. That's right. Now seeking made, the kill, right. right? I made the point, and then he came after me and attacked me personally. Here's the solution. Watch this now. My white friend defended my honor in that same forum. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about Brian Hudson, the kind of man he is. Mm. So, so my friend shut this other guy down. And we need more of that. Now, that doesn't happen very often. That's right. Often when you get into engagements like this and you get, you know, you make your point and you get a, you become attacked, you know, because of it, then folk won't defend you. They won't, they'll get, they'll right. go silent. They'll get quiet. Right. In the dialogues we have, when we need to touch on difficult subjects, mm-hmm. And and make our points, you know, our points clear, our point of view clear, and someone disagrees vehemently, well, then they need to understand, first of all, you need to respect who's talking to you. That's right. That is true. I, I, I tell people, Doc, I tell I said, look, I said, now, if if Dr. Posley tells me anything that I don't understand, and it's surprising to me, because of his character, I'm going to believe him. I'm not going to question what he's saying, his motivation, because he wouldn't have said that if he were not knowledgeable and sincere. So my point is, in our in, in our dialogues, we're going to have to take the positions that 
we we're we're in covenant mm-hmm. with covenant brothers, right. black, white, whomever, and that if I share something with you, you don't understand. Open your mind up. Which is probably more the reality than anything else. Yes. Uh, you're bringing a point that they didn't understand. Correct. You're bringing in some information. You know, well, as you were speaking uh, about that, Pastor Hudson, it, it came to me about the importance of relationships. Yes. Um, we, 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 relationships are the, the single most report, important thing in the world. And we live in a world today that, in, interestingly enough, we have more access to the thoughts of others by the Internet, social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that. And yet we live in an age where democracy is suffering more maybe than ever in America. Yes. We, 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 we have access to what others say more than ever, but we want to hear less of other people's opinions, mm. which, which, which is odd. I, there's a principle that's important here uh, about relationships. Uh, uh, and, and uh, Pastor, you, you're going to want to preach this. I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> when God uh, made the, told Noah to make the ark, and and He just destroyed the earth through water. Every the second time, everything in the ark was in relationship. Mm-hmm. Noah, his wife, his sons, mm-hmm. and their wives. And every animal that Noah put in that ark was in a relationship. Yes. He went and got both a male and a female, everything. And so what God establishes is the importance of relationship. Yes. In everything that we do. Yes. That is the thing that the enemy, in my view, wants to tear down. He wants to tear down another person's actions by another person's narrative, which is so dangerous because if the person who disagrees with what is happening would simply talk and ask questions of the persons uh, who are doing something they don't like or the person, then that would have a chance to build us all up because it would enhance the relationship. So I think the principle of relationship is suffering. It suffers on Facebook. Yes. Because we, we, we have trouble hearing other people. Right. And we don't like that people don't. Sometimes we don't like that they know more about something than we do. Yes. Sometimes that's just offensive because sure. of, because of, of ego. Right. And uh, and then other times we only want to be heard, and we don't want to hear. Yes. And 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 I think I think you do a tremendous job at it uh, because we're talking about solutions. If we stop talking, we've lost. Yes. So we true. have to talk. Let's do more than talk, mm-hmm. but we have to keep communicating. Yes. Because the moment we stop, we're in trouble. And the communication and the talking is education. Absolutely. You know, we don't resolve issues online, obviously, but in, the interactions it's of all types are education. It's not. Sure. When mm-hmm. people are destroyed, the Bible that we believe, the Bible, the, the, the scriptures that we, 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 we built our lives on, says people are destroyed because of lack of, lack knowledge. of knowledge. What they do not know brings their destruction. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you this question again, solutions. We'll do this. How, what message do we give to young black men um, and young athletes um, in this era, in this time, uh, who have been provided a platform with, with their success? So what should we tell young men who are going that direction, maybe high schoolers who are mm-hmm. showing exceptional ability and gaining favor and notoriety? Uh, what do we tell them how to use their platform? We uh, Consult history. Consult those who have protested. Yes. 
Yes. You may even learn that some of the protests that they did that were scorned by people at their age, they have changed their mindset about how their approach. Mm-hmm. Let me let me say this. Uh, let me go from this angle. I, I got into a conversation, thankfully. I'm trying to get in several conversations about the mm-hmm. book. And uh, someone asked me, did I agree with the Kaepernick protest? I said, I, I agree with protest when one feels subjugated anytime. But at the same time, I, I wish that Colin Kaepernick would have consulted with uh, Tommy Smith, John Carlos. I, I talked at length with uh, John Carlos as I did my dissertation, uh, uh, finishing my Ph.D. I talked to him about protests and what it what 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 was on your mind at the time who influenced you mm-hmm. um what was your what was what was your relationship with Harry Edwards who was in charge of OPHR at the time the Olympic uh, project for human rights but what became frightened and didn't go to Mexico City uh which is why they had to come up with a makeshift protest uh Pastor Hudson at mm. the actual time that was instigated by a white man I'll say the sprinter Norman Gave them the ideas for the black gloves. He gave him one of the black gloves, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of of doing this on the metal stand protest when Harry Edwards didn't show up and others became afraid after they spoke with Jesse Owens. This idea of how they protest came came from a white man, Norman. But and so I think young guys would benefit first of all from getting a history of intelligent protest. What is wise? What makes the most sense? How should we go about this? Do we have to uh, protest in a manner that causes us to be kicked out of a sport? Can we do both? LeBron James is doing both. Yes. So then there means you can. You can get to a level. There's a way to get to a, a space before you protest potentially, or let's talk about it, where you won't have to lose your career to protest. So, so that brings in the notions and, and this discourse of timing about protests. Yeah. So I would suggest that they do that. But I would also suggest that if there are any athletes listening, uh, and this may seem like a plug, it's not, but I've, I've written in my website that we're going to discuss a little bit later. I have a corporate training that I want to get into athletic departments where I come in and talk about uh, teach. I have a curriculum that I've written. It's on this website, and I start where I teach young, uh, young athletes how to protest, what is intelligent protest? How to how to navigate the the Me Too movement and how to be proper, not be misogynist. How to treat women properly, mm-hmm. and there's and so there's a way to protest and be politically solvent and be and be um, uh, woke, if you will. Uh, but it it comes from information, not just passion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've been speaking with Dr. Clyde Posley Jr. Um, about his new book. That came out just recently in both October print, 12th, October 12th mm-hmm. both print and Kindle edition. More than icons and images, uncovering the hidden protest narrative of the black American athlete in the 21st century. And you've been you've seen below us here throughout the program uh, this website, drclydeposley.com. That's where you want to go to learn more about Dr. Posley. To, to obtain information on how to get this book or just go to Amazon.com and mm-hmm. put in yep. Clyde Posley. Yep. Yep. But you want to right. get this book. It, it's, it's a dense book, but it's, but it's, it's scholarly, but it's readable. It's, he, he made it so that it can be read and consumed by anybody That's who right. can read. And we need context. And, you know, we read to lead, somebody said. That's right. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you're going to have a discussion 
on these issues, you need to be informed. That's okay. Right. And here's a resource that would give you historical context, documented sources. Right. So when you go into discussion with somebody, you're not just at the mercy of what you think and they feel right. <laughs> or at the mercy of a narrative. Or what you heard. Right. What you heard. Right. Right. <laughs> You'll be able to be informed. So, uh, Dr. Posey, thank you for being thank on the you. program thank today. You, this has been a marvelous conversation. I trust you have been informed and educated and inspired. Maybe we, you know, maybe you feel a little bit tweaked, you know, a little bit. That's okay. You know, you feel a certain way about yeah, things. We can talk about it. As long as you come back down right. and think this through because we're, you know, we are men and, and Doc here is a man of integrity. Everything he has told you today is accurate from history and sincere from his heart. That's right. And you think is you, just, you can't dismiss a genuine, sincere person. That's right. And their concerns. That's right. You just cannot marginalize them. It doesn't make any sense. So thank you, Dr. Posley. Uh, as we close out, you want to share anything with our viewers and listeners as we close out today? Yeah, I, I, I want to just really, I'm thankful to be here. I, I appreciate it. You are a scholar in your own right, um, in, in his public work. Uh, your, your work is well-written, well-thought-out. I'm reading your blogs, and just that's how I really got, got to become a follower of yours is on social media uh, because I respect scholarship and the work that people put into it. Uh, but I really want to say, if if, if people really uh, want to come to know me, understand what I'm trying to accomplish in, in political science, go to www.drclyaposey.com, uh, uh, and there you will see that I, I've, I've written a corporate uh, diversity training for uh, larger Fortune 500 companies, where I actually go into the boardroom and talk about how to structure the diversity components of corporate America uh, yeah, from uh, a Kingian pr uh, perspective, that's a nonviolent social interaction uh, perspective, and I've, I'm, I'm I'm working with some things for young uh, black boys, keeping them out of the system and teaching them how to uh, uh, integrate themselves into the school system. So uh, this book is just but one product of of uh, that I'm trying to produce to make my mark in society. To help, uh, help not just my people, but any people who understand that to survive in this world, you're going to have to be diverse and integrate with everyone else. Well, thank you, Dr. Posey. You've been watching Conversations in Focus here on Vision Stream Network. I trust you were inspired and educated and informed. You also will be able to watch this on Facebook Live. It's also a podcast uh, you can go to and watch uh, and listen to this discussion on your phone, any device. Podcasts are great for that. And you'll find the podcast on iTunes or on TuneIn. We have also the podcast uh, posted there. So again, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for watching. Continue to be informed and inspired in your life. So God bless you. We'll see you next time.